0: Okay, here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. Thanks for being patient. Sorry I ran late. I was having a little too much fun. Hold <laughs> your hands. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us sinners. Amen. Okay, you're very patient. You're very kind. You showed up this week and next week. That's it. Then we'll mark between the clean and the unclean. So, uh, this week and next week. That's it. Does anybody... Matt just for a moment. Are you all done? Perfect. We'll turn it in A+. Plus. Nice work. Good handwriting. Well done. No cursive. As an older person, I'm a little nervous about that. But nevertheless, uh, anybody need one of these? If you're joining, now's the time, Blaze. Okay, good. If anybody needs one, if you send a transfer over, we'll cross-check this against the transfer file. If we've got anything... If we've if we got any... Miss things. We'll reopen the transfer portal and we'll be looking for speed rather than size this time around. Okay, all good. Uh, Any questions about anything? I got a couple of questions by email. Let me quickly go through those. Why don't we have archbishops like the Latvians? Because we're dumb. How come we don't have monks like the Catholics? Because we're dumb. Any other questions? The confessions say, Luther says, I can find the quote if you want, the best way to go is have all the bishops and have them equally. That's a guy who didn't like one bishop being in charge. And of course, if you're going to be suspicious of people, the bishops have given you reason. But um, uh, you'll have to sort it out in your own life. I'm getting ready to retire, so you decide if you want to have bishops. Otherwise, you can have voters' assembly where the most mature person is canceled by the most immature person. And then you can find that in the scriptures if you like. Uh, Good luck. So then, um, you know, it's a little like I knew a husband and wife. One was a raging Republican, the other a raging Democrat. This is when there were only Republicans and Democrats. They never voted because they said, why waste the gas? We cancel each other on every issue. (laughs) So that can happen in a voters' meeting too. Uh, Luther liked bishops, good bishops, but everybody likes good bishops, right? So... um, Monks, uh, you know, why don't we have them? Because the Catholics have them, so they must be wrong. Okay, so uh, the reason... There are Lutheran monks, actually. There's a Lutheran uh, monastery up in Michigan. Michigan has everything good, I guess. I see it on TV, lakes and golf and stuff like that. So uh, everything good's there. Deer blind. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, you know, you can have a monk if you can keep it in the way of the gospel. So sometimes people want to just go away and pray. You need money for that. And then you have to live in community. And that's difficult as um, St. Francis could testify. Or St. Benedict, I'm sorry. St. Francis too, of course. Uh, But St. Francis, after they tried to kill him for the second time, the monks tried to kill him the second time. So uh, you can have anything you want in the way of the gospel. So you can have voters' meetings in the way of the gospel. You can have monks in the way of the gospel. You can have bishops in the way of the gospel. It's the way of the gospel, which is love and not force, that makes things so hard. But for you who ask the question, I'll take you to lunch and give you a longer explanation. But since none of you, have none of, no others of you who express interest in being a monk, that should be a personal, probably, confession. Okay? Uh, this week and next week, and then you can stay home in your footy jammies and you know, read barons. okay? So, um, I'm only gonna, just for fun, I'm gonna teach this backwards today, because I've never done it backwards, and I'm like, oh, why, you know, would hate for you to be bored. Not everybody can feel like Val <laughs> yeah? So, that's uh, the best laugh, right? So, uh, whatever Val's got, I want some of that. So, um, I'm just going to say a single thing. The Eucharist is the body and blood of Jesus. That's the only thing I'm going to say to you. I'm just going to say it in 19 different ways. Somewhere long ago when I was writing a dissertation on the Eucharist, I found a church father or desert father or somebody who said, people ask me what's on my tongue. I answer what was pierced with nails. Now, I've lost the reference, so extra credit and another jewel in your crown in heaven if you ever find that. Uh, I think it might be in a footnote somewhere, but I haven't been able to look at the footnotes in a while. What's on your tongue? Whatever was pierced with nails. If a nail went through it on on Golgotha, that's what's on your tongue. That's the single thing that is most important. If a nail went through it... uh, that eliminates any sort of philosophical explanations or different levels or sign and symbol. I told you back way back in baptism that the scriptures never say about baptism or the Lord's Supper, sign or symbol. They never say, for example, the Lord's Supper is a sign or a symbol of Jesus' body and blood. They do say the opposite, that Noah was a sign or symbol of baptism. They do say that. But it doesn't run the other way. All the signs and symbols point to baptism. All the signs and symbols point to the body and blood of Jesus. Right? It doesn't work the other way around. It's when you get it the other way around, everything gets mixed up. So ba- let's go backwards. I know there's so many. It's like a game. You thought Wordle was fun? This will be great. The one that has the little arrow on the top. In red. In red. Flannery O'Connor couldn't get a higher level than that. Although I see that she's being canceled more and more these days. It's such a shame. She'll come back, but the people who canceled her won't. So, um, anyway, I've lost my coffee. There it is. I was once, five or six years ago, taken by some friends to have dinner with Mary McCarthy and her husband, Mr. Broadwater. She'd just written a book. She was a big intellectual. I live in a world full of big intellectuals now. I know because I read about them in the New York Times. They're so different because the people in the New York Times are so different than they were last year. So interesting to me after that San Francisco election and all that. But that's another story, of course. We went at 8, and I hadn't opened my mouth much, and there was much to say, and fancy people were there. There was a dog, and we'd forgotten things. Toward morning, if you get invited to fancy... Dinner parties with big intellectuals. You stay out late. Toward morning, right, the conversation turned on the Eucharist. This is how it is for me. If you ever get seated with me at a wedding, you've been seated at the loser table. Oh no, we have to sit with the pastor. Somebody's clearly being punished for something. So... You, uh, you know, there they are toward morning, toward morning, they finally get to the Eucharist, which I just described to you as the center of the universe toward morning, um, which I being a Catholic was obviously supposed to defend. This is how it is whenever I'm on an airplane and somebody finds out I'm a pastor. They turn to me and say, well, you know, the thing about God is, and then, you know, if, if, if they, it's like I said, I'm a plumber and they start to tell me how to sweat a pipe, but they don't even have a torch. Right? But everybody feels free to tell me all about what they think about God. They've got some good ideas. Okay, so, very obviously, I was supposed to defend. Mrs. Broadwater said, when she was a child and received the host, she thought about it as the Holy Ghost. He being the most portable person of the Trinity. Now she thought of it as a symbol and implied that it was a pretty good one. I then said, in a very shaky voice, Well, if it's a symbol, then to hell with it. Perfect. That's where I'd love to move you to. If it's just a symbol, then to hell with it. Now, somewhere, I've given you uh, a place where people said to Jesus, your body and your blood, how can you do that? And then Jesus refused to answer. Jesus tells you what it is, my body and my blood... But he never tells you how he did it. That's on the back of this one that says some very basic data on the Lord's Supper. Back around is the text. You can read it later. Where people said, how can this man give us his body and blood to eat? To which Jesus never answers. He's not interested in telling you how he does it. He just tells you that he does it. Besides, even if you're a big intellectual, your brain's not big enough to understand how Jesus does miracles. So you either agree with Jesus or you don't. You've got faith or you don't. That's it. Jesus tells you what it is. Jesus tells you when it happens. Jesus tells you why. But he never says how. Now, that there were a whole bunch of folks that didn't like Luther during the Reformation, besides the Catholics. Luther's spiritual gift was offending people like mine. And so then, um, you know, people would not like him that much. And then people say things like, God would never do that, put his body and blood into a material thing. When that happens to me, I just start singing, O Holy Night... It's exactly what he did at Christmas. He put his, himself into a material thing, flesh and blood. If he put himself into Mary's womb, he can put himself into bread and wine. People would say, people will often say, and this was the, basically the Reformed, um, the Reformed criticism of Luther came in this way. It's a sign or a symbol. The scriptures never say that. Or they say, God would never do that. And then I say, he did it all the time. Especially at Christmas. Or, he could never do it. Or he would never do it. Well, you probably shouldn't be in the business of telling God what he would or wouldn't do. Unless you're a big intellectual. So, uh, here's the thing. Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood. He never tells you how he does it. Your choice is to say, thank you for your body, thank you for your blood. Now, this is the reason we would or wouldn't give somebody the body and blood. We'll do more on this later, but just right up front, you know, Missouri Synod is known for closed communion, which sounds horrible, as in um, you couldn't possibly be good enough to come to our altar. No, you see, it's not like that at all. Even in the Lutheran confessions, which talk about bishops and monks, there is a place where they favorably cite. The practice of John Chrysostom, who, in the Confessions, it says, he stood at the altar and he sorted out the people. Some could receive and some couldn't. You can have the Eucharist. These two guys over here, it'll take some time. So, the pastor's job is to sort. Now, why would we sort? Because we don't want to kill you. That's why. So my goal, this is my stance on close communion, for the record... On the tape. I hope you love me when I'm done with this. You who are listening from afar. My goal is to... I get letters. Did you know I get letters? I get letters. I'm like, don't people have lives? They should do different things than write me letters. I no longer feel compelled to reply. My goal is to commune every last person on earth. On Jesus' terms. That's my goal. That is closed communion it's not exactly the way it's defined by others but i think it works which is i'm confronted with a lot of damn sinners and the only thing that'll cure damn sinners is the touch of jesus body and blood and the only way that that body and blood could hurt you is if you say it's not the body and blood If you say it's a symbol or Jesus, it's a sign or Jesus would never do that or Jesus could never do that. We should read the Bible, then you might believe me. Let's see, on one of these, I didn't bring my Bible down today, so I'm horribly disfigured. Uh, But still, um, uh, let's see, let's see. Okay, all right. Hold on. Look at the one that has the small print. If you want to impress people, give them small print small print they have to believe you in small print if they don't believe small print they won't believe anything at all spies so um mm, first corinthians 10 do you see it everybody got it this is kind of important it's on the opposite side of the small print just think about it this way now the corinthians were basically like mrs broadwater they lived in new york city they were known for you know designer drugs and The prostitutes wore sandals. And on the bottom, they left marks in the sand that said, follow me. And the largest house of prostitution was right next to the public library. So if your husband said, I'm off to the library, you should be suspect. My dear friends flee idolatry. You got this, 1 Corinthians 10. I speak to you as sensible persons, right? Right? You're smart people. You've been around. You live in the most cosmopolitan city in Greece. You've seen everything. Everything you've been everywhere. You ate in a Michelin-starred restaurant last night. Is not the cup of thanksgiving, Eucharistia, Eucharist, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. Now, the key words there... Our Thanksgiving, Eucharistia, Eucharist, which we get the name Holy Eucharist. And this word, participation, right? Communio in Latin, Holy Communion. Is this not a participation? A koinonia in Greek. Is this not a participation in the body of Christ? This is a word that means um, to share something. But very interestingly, when it's used at a dinner table, it literally means to eat and to drink. So the broad use of this word is, we're all doing it together. Holy Communion. But the narrow use of the word is eating slash drinking, putting things in your mouth. So the literal translation of this text is, is not the cup of the Eucharist for which we give a Eucharist, is it not a drinking of the blood of Christ? There you go. You're sensible people. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows that that cup is filled with the blood of Christ. Wait, wait, hold on just a second. Do you mean the blood that was pierced with nails? Or do you mean a sign of the blood or a symbol of the blood or he couldn't possibly do that or how did he do that or he would never do that? Words mean what they mean until they mean something different. So language works this way. Language is literal until there's a reason for it to be something else. Figurative, symbolic. If you don't believe that, language no longer works. You can test this yourself. If I say to you, Sternad, your pants are on fire, the first thing you should do is look down and get ready to drop and roll. But if you see they're not on fire, it might just mean, I really like your pants, right? (laughs) First, language is literal. Then, if there's a reason for it not to be literal, Sure, you can move on to figurative, poetic, symbolic, okay. So I just ask you, when Paul says to you, you're sensible people, and everybody who's anybody knows this is the blood of Christ, is there a reason for you to say, not blood? As in, just a sign, just a simple. Or I can't understand, or Jesus would never, no, no. That's not what the text says. The text says, the cup of blessing which we bless is a drinking in the blood of Christ. And the bread which we break is an eating in the body of Christ. Rhetorical question, question mark. Everybody knows this. Don't you know this? This is like it could be an exclamation point. It's rhetorical. You're sensible people. Everybody knows this. Do you somehow miss it? Did you skip a Saturday morning? Did you sleep late? Did you forget you never read Luther's Catechism? What is it? Because everybody knows that the cup is the blood of Christ, what was pierced with nails, and the host is the body of Christ, what was pierced with nails. Now here's the thing. Nobody's forcing you to believe that. You don't have to believe that. If you don't believe that, like Chrysostom, the pastor will sort you and say, you probably shouldn't do this because This is the medicine of immortality, and it's given by prescription. If it works, right before you die, I'll try to get to you with what's called the viaticum, your last Lord's Supper. Just before your last breath, I'll put the host in your mouth. Now, if it happens to choke you, you should say, thank you, Jesus, what a way to go, right? Because sometimes the nurse will run close and say, he can't have that, I'm like, he can't have the body and blood, step back. It's the viaticum. It is, from the Latin, food for the way, food for the journey. Right? And the only way, just like the unforgivable sin is, the sins you hold back, not to to be denied the Eucharist is because you denied it. Tomorrow when you come, the altar will start talking to you. In fact, the pulpit will talk to you and the lectern. First they'll wear colors, and they'll say, it's almost Lent. Enjoy the green, because it's going to go away. And then if you look on the altar, you will see two linens. One is, stand up for me, young fella, one is very long. And if you were going to bury this guy, you would put it like this over him. You know, like... The Shroud of Turin? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then there'll be another one, if you really did drop dead on us, we would put over your face. You know, like the shroud that's in that library in Spain with good provenance. And the blood types match? Sit down, that's as much as you can take at a young age. So you, the, the altar will say, "Oh, by the way, if you get close and join the altar guild, then you'll be able to see when the linens is off, are are, the linens are off there are five crosses cut into the stone you know one two three four five and we did this last week why do we kiss the altar because it's Jesus so we kiss the altar good morning and then we say oh look you still have your wounds one two three four five and Jesus says yes thank you very much I'm glad that's over But of course, when you get to heaven, you'll be able to see his wounds. One, two, three, four, five. So you kiss him good morning. And then you say, it's you. You still have your wounds. Great to see you. And then there is the linen in which he was buried. And the linen which went on his face. And everything is screaming at you. Body and blood, body and blood, body and blood, body and blood. You couldn't possibly miss it. I mean, if you're dumb as a post, you can't miss the fact that the altar is confessing body. It does that regardless of the pastor. There's no pastor there. It's confessing right now. Right? With candles. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. And by the way, how many candles are there on the altar? How many candles? Six. But that's the devil's number. G, what are you doing to us? Hold on. Somebody save G. She's such a nice woman. There's six. But if it's Jesus Christ the light of the world, then what what else would you count? The crucifix! Seven. Wait, wait. And the pastor's a damn sinner too, so if you look closely on the altar, what's the pastor have? Crucifix turned toward him because no person should be left without a crucifix. And then six, seven, eight... Now you're to the holy number. How many people in Noah's Ark? When did you get circumcised the baby boy? How many times did God speak in creation? What day did Jesus rise from the dead? How many, altars on the, how many candles on the altar? Right. Oh, it's a conspiracy. Right. Of course, for a conspiracy to work, somebody actually has to care about you. Which is why you shouldn't believe all the other conspiracies you're reading about. But this one you should believe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've lost my coffee and my text. Don't you know? Everybody knows. Don't you know? Everybody knows you're sensible people, you're smart people. You went to the University of Chicago, some of you have been to law school. Come on, this is easy. You're going to analyze financial documents, you've got your own business. Come on. Everybody knows this. The cup of blessing which we bless is drinking the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is eating the body of Christ. And look what this does to you. There's one loaf and we who are many are one. So diabolos, the word for devil, the definition is scatter. The body of Christ, given at the Eucharist, The definition is one. Why are you all in one church? Because you all ate from one body of Christ. There's one loaf, so we who are many, disparate, with different ideas about COVID and different different incomes and different um, political affiliations and different levels of education and different, 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 We who are different, this is the one thing we can agree on, and then that'll help us forgive everything else. We're one loaf. We are one body. And then this. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifice participate in the altar. Participate means agree. Confess give allegiance to. So now, this is why, if you start coming to church here, next Christmas, you can't go to the Holy Supper once a year at your Baptist grandmother's Baptist altar. Because, I need more hands, I'm old, remind me that I put this here. Your altar says, body and blood. We had that before Airbnb. There's little crosses there, and there's linens there, and there's colors, and there's candles, and there's crosses. Body and blood, body and blood, body and blood. It's screaming body and blood. You'll go to your grandma's Baptist church. Now, this is nothing against the Baptists. We just wish they'd come to the Eucharist, on Jesus' terms. And they have a table, not an altar. You know, an altar is a place where you things where you make a sacrifice the technical definition of sacrifice is you separate the body from the blood you know you separate the body from the blood and then when you touch the body and the blood to the people the people are cleansed i once gave a lecture at wheaton college where i noted that at the Passover, when they separated the body and the blood. Then they took it, and they put it on the doorpost, and the lintel, which of course, if you pay attention, makes the sign of the cross. And then the angel of death passed over, and it was because the blood touched the doorpost and the lintel, that they were saved. One of my proudest moments is every year when I go back to the same room, and I look up and I see the janitor still hasn't taken it off eight years later. Yes! <laughs> my own little gorilla movement. Anyway, back to your grandmother. She's got a table, and then they, she will say, well, we've got this cup here, or, and we've got this bread here. And just to be clear, the pastor will say, if he's an honest man, as I, and I've been places, and I appreciate this So when they say this. Just to be clear, we're just remembering what happened, and this is not the body and not the blood. To which you say, you're exactly right. That is not the body, and that is not the blood, and so there's no flipping reason for me to go up there because the blood touches me and it saves me. So at Passover, they took the lamb, they slit its throat, they gathered the blood... They painted it on the doorpost and on the lintel. They ate the body and death passed over, right? In the same way, after they got out, it's Exodus 12, Exodus 24, um, you know, after they've been through the Red Sea and they get through and they get the Ten Commandments and then Moses comes down from the mountain and says, hey, you all in on this? And they say, yeah, we are in Exodus 24. They make the sacrifices, they take the body, separate it from the blood, and then Moses takes the blood and he splashes it on the people. And when he splashes it on the people, they are become, are marked as the people of God. The touch of the blood. So this is way back to where I started. If there is no body and no blood, then to hell with it. It doesn't do anything. It's only when Jesus' body and blood gets on you. When it gets on you, like your baptism. When it gets on you. When it touches you. The gospel is touch. You see, everything's kind of coming together now. And faith agrees. You touched me. You saved me. You get the credit. I can't do anything. If I turn into a monk, I'll still say, you touched me, you get the credit. And I won't get paid for masses. Okay, so... If you start to go to the Eucharist here, then when you go home with your grandmother, you have to say, I love you, but and I bought you a very nice new housecoat again for Christmas. You can say that, but then you have to also say, but I can't go up to the table anymore to get the not body and the not blood. Because you know Jesus. Friend, and I was going so fast, and I thought I would get all the way to 10, and nobody would say anything, and then I would go home, and I could feel really good about myself. Okay, go ahead. Hurt me. Uh, on, yeah, you didn't even miss a beat. You just went and kept going. Okay, go ahead. A lot of my friends at school often ask like why can't we take communion at um, churches that also believe it's blood of body, and I don't usually have a good answer, so I was wondering why. You should say to them, you should come to my church and meet my pastor and he'll sort you out like Chrysostom. (laughs) Or you could say, is it what was pierced with nails? If it is, you should see my pastor, and he'll take care of you. Because he knows that as a student, you're like lost sheep and just learning. You're like a baby, and you're trying to move from milk to meat, and we love you so much, and we'd love to pull you near and let you kiss Jesus at the altar. And of course he would give you the body and blood if you think it's the body and the blood. So you should just say, what is it? Right? The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Which is church way of saying yes. What's your peace? The body and the blood, which are going to touch you, forgive your sins and make you at peace with God. And then there is the adoration. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Three times, because three is a holy number. Like seven, like eight. If your friends can say... This was what was pierced with nails. If they can say like Paul does, everybody knows this. If they can say, not a sign, not a symbol, and quit roughing up Jesus if this is what he wants to do, then I should talk to your friends. We will have an altar call at St. John. We'll dunk not one, but several, and they will get the body and the blood, and we'll go home happily ever after. And I'll meet my commission with the Missouri Senate, and I can end up being a bishop. (laughs) What do you think? That didn't answer very well. But if they say body and blood, just say what the scriptures say. What's so interesting always to me at Wheaton College is people live and die by the scriptures. And this is basically the sum of my lecture when I go there. Okay, then say what the scriptures say. The scriptures say body and blood, and they don't say anything less. So say what the scriptures say. And if they want to say what the Scriptures say, I would love to talk with them, and I'll split the commission with you. Gee? I have a follow-up question. Why can't we take Catholics? <sighs> we hate the Catholics. Haven't I made that clear? I didn't know. See, well, this, we all learned something about this. Is not, this is not what happens at Christmas dinner. We all learn about each other. First is, you want to be a good guest, and the priest says you can't that's the first reason only a bishop they keep coming up can allow you as a lutheran to take the holy supper so um one you can't do it because the bishop says because because the priest says you can't now sometimes priests will say a soft spot you go to an uncle's funeral in the catholic church and he'll just kind of say yeah i'll come amen that is not how canon works, law works. That is not how the bishop works. I'm not even Catholic, and I know that's not how Catholics work. Okay? So first is, wherever you go, be a good guest, right? And we ask the same thing. We ask people who would come here to be a good guest. Some people walk in like they own the place. And I'm kind of like, yeah, is this how you... You don't even walk in a Walmart like this. Just settle down. One day I came in. This is no lie. The things you learn as a pastor. There's a baptism for all I can tell you is that the groom was still slightly drunk and had green hair because the night before was St. Patty's Day. And they were there with all their friends. and they kept, But, you know, this was, I was new, and this was a family of the congregation, and this was a lost sheep, and Jesus loves the lost sheep, and will you baptize the kid, my grandkid, because you don't know my kid's drunk out before the night before. Yes is always the good answer, but I come in, and... I walk in, there's this woman at the altar. She's taken off the six candles and the crucifix and the linens. And she's putting on a quilt with all the family names on it. And I said to her, ma'am, what are you doing? But I have to say this new because, you know, we have a voter assembly. Pastors can get their butts fired. You know how this works. We don't have a bishop. This could be the end of me they're a good standing family he's got green hair and he's slightly drunk he might take a swing at me and of course then you have to think about the baby who despite his idiot father still needs to get baptized i said "Now, what are you doing she said well i'm rearranging things for the baptism and i said you you can't do that and she said we always do that here yeah me too so that was a, kind of a tough morning. <laughs> but we got the kid in the water, and they go to another church now, so I guess everybody's happy. Okay, so, anyway. Be a good guest. I do have a point, it just takes me a while to get there. And, um, you know, the thing is is, um, you know, we've had three popes in a row that sound like Luther, kind of nice. Now, sometimes they don't sound like Luther, and they've been kind of hard on him, but sometimes Luther deserved it, okay there are three or four Eucharistic prayers that the Catholics pray. We could probably pray two of them, maybe three, but there's a fourth one that talks about how it's the priest's good work, and this is what Catholic, this would Lutherans, and it's almost a trope, but it's still there, and it's in a prayer, and when it's in a prayer, you have to take it seriously because it's in the liturgy, and that doesn't change. There's still one that says, you know, this is the priest's good work on behalf of the people, and accept our good works and save us. You kind of go... Way back to the first lesson, the Reformation was fought on a single issue whether God does everything or God does some and we do some. If there's ever a place where God isn't doing everything, flee. And so um, it would be nice to be able to go to a Catholic order. I often say when priests give me the oh you're Lutheran, I always say, I am. And you kick us out, and if you ask nicely, we might come back. That's my standard answer <laughs> for bishops, too. But, uh, you know, um, sure, it would be best if we were all together. Stop saying dumb things. If you stop saying dumb things, we'll happily come back. And that's the truth, right? Stop saying dumb things like you work your way to heaven. Don't say dumb things. You can put up with Willie he said dumb things. In fact, you spend most of your marriage helping him not say dumb things. Am I right? Which is how I spend most of my time being a pastor. Helping people not say dumb things. Maybe Will and I will graduate together someday. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> nice question. Keep going. I have one more hey, you're just. Like, I feel like I'm Jen Pisaki. Go ahead. And then just one more. I have just one more. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Why children be I see. Nice. So what's so interesting to me is do you know the phrase, they kicked our butts? Would that mean anything if I said you? Because when we started doing this, and Pastor Nelson sort of took the lead after we took, you know, regularly other Lutheran pastors just kicked our butts. In fact, it was so, we were so kickable that we would call ahead, people would say, we're going on vacation. You think as a pastor you've died and gone to heaven. When somebody says to you, we're going on vacation, we're going to stop here on Sunday morning and go to church at 10 a.m., Will you call the pastor and give them a heads up and tell them we're A-OK, and by the way, tell them our kids want to commune too? And we would call too, right? And of course, they would say, who the hell do you think you are? Of course, they would never been in this class. And you know what? I would bury them in paper too. So here's what, here's what I would say. They say, we're not going to commune your kid because they haven't been through. Confirmation. I told you about my grandma Brusick, right? Yeah. Your kids didn't have to sit in front of the congregation on an 85 degree day in a small country church in Iowa all by themselves and answer 437 questions in German. How could they possibly commune? And then, even though we're supposed to have this altar and pulpit fellowship, we're all collegial and we all trust each other. They don't commune our kids. And then the kids say, what's wrong with this church? Which, of course, they're about 10 years early because when they're like 16 or 14, they're saying, what's wrong with this church all the time? You just don't want to add one more on top of that. So when can they start having it? They can start having one. When they can say smart things and not dumb things, like when they can tell the difference between Wonder Bread and the host. So if you hold up a piece of bread and they say, what's this? And they say, Wonder Bread. And you hold up this and they say, Jesus... They're just about there. Now, that's good Lutheran practice. Even Luther did this. I've given you it on a piece of paper, so you know it must be true. Did I give it to you again this week? You know, I can't, um, you know. Come on, did I not give you that one? I gave it to you last week because somebody, oh, no, that's the wrong one. Because somebody gave, okay, so anyway, last week, you still have it? Now, that's a mess. That's another whole other thing. So, last week I gave you a sheet of paper. I can give it to you again. Somebody went back and asked this very question. They said, in anticipation of G, let's ask when people can have the Lord, Lord's Supper. And they went back. There were instruction books for pastors, right? Printing press came. Pastors weren't very well educated. There were instruction, like checklists. In Luther's time, in Luther's church, the first quote is from Luther's pastor, Bugenhagen. Kids were getting it at 5, 6, 7. Then they read the one in Denmark, a little farther north, a little later, 6, 7, 8. Then they read the next one, 7, 8, 9. Then the next one, 9, 10, 11. Why were they doing that? Because the Enlightenment was coming. And the Enlightenment was about scientia, knowing things, not fiducia, trusting things. So the Enlightenment comes, and how would we know if you're fit to take the Lord's Supper? You've got to answer 432 questions. Because you know it's about data dump. It's about knowing things. It's about having a big intellect, right? As opposed to what do the Scriptures say. This is my body. Amen. Which body? The one that nails went through. This is my blood. Which blood? The blood that came from my side. Amen, amen. It's yours. So, Pastor Nelson every summer runs a stealth course. Gee, can start to come this year. You'll see Pastor Nelson in a sumo suit and dive headfirst into water with goggles on. Anyway. He runs a. He run, we have a summer thing with um, pastors, parents, and kids, and we start to talk about the Eucharist. But they don't really know. We start to tell them stories, and then at some point, a kid will go. He's talking about the body and the blood at the altar, and then when they say, "I want that," then we have a consultation between the parents, the kid and the pastor. And when all three give the thumbs up, then they get it. And it normally happens around 6-7-ish. It has gone lower, but I would just tell you, a couple of the five-year-olds recited for us the entire liturgy from memory, both halves and the Eucharistic prayer, from the proper preface to the benediction. So if you can do that, no one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit, right? So when you can discerno, see, this is when you can discern, discerno, discern in 1 Corinthians 11, when you can, uh, to discern means you can tell the difference between this and that. When you can say, this is Wonder Bread, and this is the body of Christ. Or you can say, this is Wonder Bread, and this is the body of Christ. This is a Cabernet, Petrus, Christmas present. A petrus for Christmas. From, I mean, some members will go into the kingdom of God sooner than others. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is wine, and this is the blood of Jesus. Which blood? What was pierced with nails. What does it do? Forgives my sins. What does it do? Makes us one body. What does it do? Strengthens me for the road ahead. What does it do? Guarantee my forgiveness, my salvation. Theodore omopsuestia. The Eucharist is your ticket to the... Re- to, 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 to the ticket to the resurrection. When you get to heaven, you should, a couple of things, you know, if you have hair, some people, you and let them see where your baptism was tattooed, and then you stick out your tongue, and they will see where the body and blood were placed, and you're in. You won't have to say a word. The Pope had a great, you know, speaking of Catholics and saying nice things to the Pope. Um, the Pope wrote a letter about his being implicated in all these things, and his poor judgment, and this week. And there was an interesting letter for the last four lines, where he said, I'm about to die, but my friend Jesus will accompany, through, accompany me through that dark portal. So CC doesn't sugarcoat it. Through that dark portal by my friend Jesus. He is my, and he used the word for the Holy Spirit, paraclete, he is my advocate and he will speak for me. And then you kind of go, huh, I'd like to commune at that altar if they would just ask nicely. So, okay. What else? Questions? Please. To get a little bit more technical, just as a word, I went to confirmation and I was very. Oh, no. So I'll write you a sympathy card later. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. In a sermon, it would always be, "This is in with and under. This is in with and under the body and blood." So what? They'd if- say that out loud? Yeah. Wow. Oh, no. no, I just never heard of things. Did they baptize kids? We baptize you in the name of the Father, Son. Oh, just kidding. Okay, so um, I know. Hey, I'm a little punchy. We've been doing this for like five months. It's just—it's only one more. Stick with me. Uh, you know, in with and under. So there's—you can say everything a law way and a gospel way. So. Let's put the best construction on this eighth commandment. He would actually hold it up and say, This is the body of Christ in with and under. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, I, you know, so here's the thing. Um, As long as it's not in the words of institution, my heart rate goes way down, right? I think we can talk about that too if you want, but your pastor loved you. He was trying to say to you, you're a very nice person, and I'm sure you'd like an explanation, but I'm just a pastor, and I went to pastor school, we never talked about how this happens, but I can tell you what it is. It is just the body of Christ that was on the cross, in, with, and under, which is, how are you going to talk about these things? How are you going to say, hey, Kate, this is Jesus, right? How are you going to talk about that? Well, you're going to say, well, Jesus put himself there, and he, he's in there, but I can't really see him, and I get the bread and the body, so they're with each other, sort of holding hands in, with, and under is like he's under, but he, you can probably set it over, too. He's around there somewhere, right? It's a way of saying he's really, really there, and so you get this notion of real presence. But I don't say that anymore because... Um, that is compromised too easy. That's a poor password. Real presence. Zwingli once said, I can say body and blood as well as anybody, but everybody knows I don't mean it. Can I go? Ah. Like then To your wife, I promise to be really faithful to you. I could say be faithful as well as everybody, but everybody knows I don't mean it. You want to be in a relationship with that? I, You know? So anyway, in, with, and under is a great, and it's in the catechism, of course, it's a great way of saying he's really, really there. But you have to go a step farther. Real presence doesn't get there. You want to say he's really, really there. You know, he who hung on the cross and was pierced with nails. So say nice things about him before you say bad things. But later, if you want to say bad things, call me. Sorry, I didn't mean that. I want to go to the Eucharist tomorrow. Okay, what else have you got? Questions about anything? See, the whole point is, um, it's the body and blood of Jesus, so your world revolves around it. When I say to people, uh, you know, that you might have curiously and thankfully said, you know, why do people only preach ten minutes here? There's a couple of reasons for that. One is... Not that many people have 10 minutes worth of stuff to say. I think I've proved that to you this morning. (laughs) Second is, um, the pastor's not the big deal. You go to church. Now, here's the thing. Lutherans are all over this, and especially pastors. (laughs) You know, it's like the sermon is the big deal. I'm just telling you. I've had a lot of bad sermons, but I never had a bad supper. I can give you a bad sermon, and if I just follow the directions, you're going to get the body and blood of Jesus. So I'm not the big deal. The sermon's not the big deal. The sermon important it is because the scriptures are sometimes difficult to understand, and other times we just need simple things repeated to us. So 10 minutes or less, a thousand words or less is the rule for everybody. A vicar gets 800, or maybe 700, or maybe we can't stand it. Maybe it'll only be 600. But it'll, you'll get something. Right? The other thing is, is because it's completely predictable. You can put your watch on it, except for the baptism tomorrow, which will take a little extra. But in a normal service, it's going to be 59 and a half minutes plus or minus a minute, right? Now, why do we do that? So your six-year-old, or G, I'm, or I'm sorry, or Johan, I didn't mean G, or Johan can sit still, watch the kids. It's completely, the literally is completely predictable. If it's predictable, what? They know it has an end point. That means they know they can hold on and they see their friends holding on. They don't think to themselves, even at a young ha- age, won't this guy please just shut up so I can go get some donuts? Why would I put your kid through that? It's 59 and a half minutes, plus or minus 60 seconds. And so, um, <laughs> the pastor is not the big deal. And so you get that. Now, sometimes Lutherans rebel against that, but um, I give you this thing from Leah, who was as much a founder of the Missouri Senate or a leader in the early years as Walther. He's on both sides, right? And he says, the whole, it's one with the preface on one side and then prayers on the other. The whole of Lutheranism is now contained for me in the sacrament of the altar. Me too. Where all the chief doctrines of Christianity, particularly those highlighted by the Reformation, have their focus. And if that's not clear enough for you, turn it over on the other side where he says, this is now the chief question. Because somebody said, you mean I can't preach two hours? He's like, no, we want to have the Eucharist before everybody's worn down by your incessant babbling. Because, you know, you're not heard from many words. But, wow, i got to go to confession before morning. Okay, this is the chief question in Lutheran Church. If you're going to force me to ask it, this is like asking people, sometimes diagnostically, I say to people, you know, what's more important, Good Friday or Easter? Just so you know, if you're forced to it, say Good Friday. But uh, what's more important, the altar or the pulpit, the pastor or the supper? The question is easily answered in the Lutheran service, not the sermon. Fallibly produced by a fallible man and only worth anything because the Holy Spirit gets busy. But the Holy Sacrament is the greatest ceremony. The sermon leads to the Holy Meal since it directs the Christian to a fervent mystical union with Christ. You don't see any of the pastors kneeling down when I'm going to preach. But you see them all kneeling down when they're going to go to the altar. Therefore, the altar is and remains the most important location both for the Lutheran Church building, so I told you last week about how they used to drop the rock, level the top, and build the church around it. And classically, there was no, and you'll still see this in Lutheran churches of an era, there's no basement under the altar. The rock goes into the mud, and that's where the sacrifice is made. You drop the rock in the mud. I actually, where Kendall was ordained, I preached his ordination. I got a placemat which is how you learn things about people, right? And on the placemat, they had all the history of the things that had happened in the church. And the very first thing was a crane holding up a rock, ready to drop it down in the mud so they could cut the top off it and build the church around it. I thought, hallelujah, I'm somewhere where Jesus actually lives. That's amazing stuff. Therefore, the altar is to remain the most important location. And here, of course, it is, right? It's in the center of things. The most important location for both the Lutheran Church building and the appointments of our worship edifice, since it gives purpose to the entire holy room. It's a holy room. And what's the purpose? To make people holy, to forgive their sins. For this reason, even the layout of the Lutheran Church is wholly patterned after the older houses of God, which were often in the shape of a cross And then last week, we don't have time to do this, but then last week I gave you, you know, this model of things, which is how my brain works. Um, But I told you once before, when you walk into the church, you're walking on the road to Emmaus, right? So you're in procession with Jesus. And Jesus does to you exactly what he did to the disciples in, in Emmaus. He walks with you. And then he talks to you from the lectern and then that gets explained to you. He opened their hearts, right? So the pastor stands in the person of Christ and he opens your heart and explains what happens. So you get procession and you get uh, scripture and then you get a sermon and then you get a Lord's Supper along with a prayer. And then what happens? The body and blood is there and he disappears, you know. He disappears into the bread and the wine, in, with, and under. He disappears into the chalice and onto the paten. And like Jesus, even though he ascends to heaven, he never really leaves us. You may not see him, but he doesn't know. It doesn't mean he's not there. My guardian angel is right here. I'll introduce you later. And yours is as well. There's all sorts of things in life that you don't see. As Pope Francis said, the scientist sees reality, the priest sees beneath reality. The little prince. The next good thing is over the horizon. But, of course, nobody can see over the horizon. So, when you come here, you are bending your knee to confess that the body and blood of Jesus, the same body and blood that once hung on the cross, is about to be hung on your tongue. And when Jesus touches you with his body and blood, everything good happens to you. I knew a pastor once in Nebraska who got defrocked because a young boy came up to him as, after the he came up to him uh, after the service and said you're Jesus," and he said that's right." and somebody heard that reported to his district president he was put out of the ministry for that that doesn't understand the ministry. Chrysostom when the priest appears before you and holds up the host. It is not the priest, but Christ himself who communes you. So tomorrow, and we try to train your kids, you know, old dogs, new tricks. It's harder when you're older. But what will happen is the pastor will display the host in front of you. The body of Christ. And then you say, Amen, which is, that's true. Catechism. Yea, yea, it shall be so. The body of Christ, amen. When you say amen, then he puts it on your tongue. Now, not everybody says amen. Every week, somebody's weeping. Every week, somebody is distracted. Sometimes people have never been taught. We're not going to not give them the Holy Supper because they don't, you know, tick every box. The body of Christ, amen. The blood of Christ, that's right, true, the same blood that poured from Jesus' side on the cross, what was pierced with nails. Amen. When you say that, you are then worthy to receive it because you know that when it touches you, it'll do to you what it did to everybody else when Jesus touched them. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk, prisoners were released, and sins were forgiven. It's a new age. It's a new day. You're a new person. Let's go. And out the door you go, I was once in St. Mark's Cathedral in Venice, which is, I think, my favorite cathedral in the world. And you're waiting to see things and moving close, and there's a beautiful icon, which is my favorite icon in the world, the Blessed Virgin Mother holding Jesus. And I looked toward that icon, and there was two very interesting things happening at the same time. One is there was a woman at confession. And you know how this is. You've been in cathedrals. where You can see the boxes. But she was before a priest and just weeping and clinging to his stole, to his legs. Just weeping. And you could see, like, she was getting it all out. Across from that was the chapel where the icon is, where they were having a service for the deaf. I don't sign. But I know what was going on. And the priest was Finishing the Eucharist with the words, sa S right? And that's not quite right. The Mass is finished. Go. The last words of the Mass are, it's done now, get out of here. And you could see all these people, like, all in action, not a word. You could see, like, that's right. We've had the body and blood, and now we're busy. And you sort of put all these things together. And you go, you know, I've died and gone to heaven. Everything is happening just the way it should happen. Jesus is here, he's everywhere. The entire thing is mosaics, top to bottom, little pieces, the entire thing, top to bottom. I, I bought an icon at the gift shop and I was trying to make talk to the guy because I'm always so curious what I said, what do you do besides sell icons? He said, I apprentice myself to the man whose job it is to fix the mosaics. So after the the Cathedral is closed. Every day they go through and they find the pieces that are out and they get plaster and they put them back in one by one. They, you know, they've been there for hundreds of years, they start to fall out. I said, How long have you been doing that? He said, Thirteen years for free. But he said, Someday maybe that job will be mine. In my retirement, I will let you know that I've become the new icon seller at St. Mark's. And in my spare time. And someday maybe that job will be mine. Right? Look. You gotta go. I mean, this I could talk about this forever. This is the only thing that matters to me. And when this matters, everything else matters. Right? Because, as Herman Sasa said, the Eucharist is Christ. If you get this right, you'll get everything else right. If you don't get this right, you'll never get anything right. Uh, so, Last week I started and I gave it to you again. It's, it has Jesus' face on it this week because I dug it out from a little nicer type. We're trying to pull you into this Eucharistic life. A Eucharistic life, a life of thanksgiving, of course, lives from the Eucharist, which lives from baptism. Have you noticed? You've noticed, I'm sure now, that the red stone, the circle around the baptismal font, the very same stone, the red stone makes the circle around the altar tomorrow when you kneel down, look down, you'll see the red stone from the circle, eternity, unending, from forever. The red stone around the font, the very same stone, is in a circle around the altar. Why? Because what is given at the font is nourished at the altar. One baptism, and then, as the words of institution say, do this... In remembrance, and the word is, the verb there in Latin is iterative. Do this over and over and over and over and over again in remembrance of me. What is given at baptism is nourished at the font. And that's how you make a Christian, which is why we can't get Johann to the Eucharist fast enough, because we'd like him to be a little Christian. Further clarification, when this used to be Hubble Middle School, the Marianos, yeah, you know, because you grew up here when it used to be Hubble Middle School. Did you go to Hubble? It's good, because there used to be a drugs dealer who stood on the corner, you know, whatever number, If it's you can't be a drug dealer and be within two blocks, but you can be within three blocks. Wherever it was, he stood there every day after school, and all the kids knew it. The parents didn't quite know about it, but you learn so many things when you drive kids to soccer and teach confirmation. And so, um, you know, this is in the good old, bad old days, when every kid knew that um, that guy was a drug dealer. And at the same time there are a couple of well-publicized one in Wheaton, one in Glen Ellen, well-publicized things of kids at middle school having sex in the school after school, right? So you have drug dealers so you're 6th, 7th, 5th, 6th, 7th grade, you got kids who all know who their drug dealer is and they're having sex after school at school, but you know what? We couldn't possibly give them the Eucharist because you know They don't understand anything. To me, it seems like they understand a lot. And the other thing is, they probably need to be inoculated against all that stuff as soon as possible. So why would we say about kids, you can have sex, you can take drugs, you can watch porn on a cell phone, you can get a bet down on the game, you can this, you can that. Why would we say that? But then we'd say, you can have the antidote to that if you can answer 437 questions in German. It just doesn't seem but then I'm just a guy and you can see what a wreck this place is. So, uh, flee, flee. How does that song go? It's a cruel, cruel world, all you little boys and girls and some mean and nasty people want to eat you for their supper, rot. You don't know this? Did you never watch TV when you grew up? Be free, free, free like a big TV. You've never, we uh, we gotta have a couple of weeks of hymn sing and then you'll understand things. But until then, we should pray. I promise you, next week is the last, you know, short of, you know, some cataclysm or apocalyptic event. Next week will be it. So as my grandmother, who finally got confirmed, used to say, it's time for you all to fish or cut bait. Okay, so next week, next week, right? Send me your cards and letters. You can see how welcoming I am of that. Uh, And, uh, you know, know, if you have questions about anything, we'll just talk about next week, it's like, we do need to see... We've got to peek in the catechism because you're going to stand up and say just the way the catechism said, although if you've committed through memory, you're a nice, nice woman. Um, you know, that may not... But we should talk a little bit about the catechism. We should talk a little bit about life at St. John. We should kind of clean up anything that's left. Um, and then uh, you should fill out... If you want to come along, you should fill out the form you have given it to me. So, And then hopefully you can be here at the vigil. If you're not going to be here at the vigil, yeah, we get it. I mean, people travel and... Uh, I think that school is spring break this year. Is it actually Holy Week? No, it's, not. it's not. Okay, good. Nice. It's, yeah, let four, I think maybe, right? So that's nice. Be, it's so good when people are here. So, all right. You know where to find me. Um, hmm. Off we go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.